I'm Michael R. Malley, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Green Blessings. And I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today we will have a reading from Matthew chapter 27. And as you may know, if you've been listening, Fresh Green Blessings is where we read the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. So sometimes, so sometimes we have more of a Buddhist emphasis in our looking glass, sometimes it's more of an eco-spirituality or eco-theology emphasis. And today, we're going to be looking at Jesus on the cross and relating that to eco-theology and eco-spirituality. So, we have the mindfulness bell, as always. And when you hear the bell, that's an invitation to return again to the present moment, to enjoy the sound of the bell. Ollie will start us off with a reading of the King James Version of the, uh, of the Bible from chapter 27 of Matthew. I'll then have a reading and a short Dharma talk, and then Ollie will have some, some closing words for us. Here is the bell. reading today is from Matthew chapter 27 verses 50 and 51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. My master, Jamien Kiense, passed away in the sleeping lion's posture, says Sogyo Rinpoche. Crowds of people were there, filing around the temple to show their respect. Then something extraordinary happened. An incandescent milky light, looking like a thin and luminous fog, began to appear and gradually spread everywhere. The palace temple had four large electric lights outside. Normally, at that time of the evening, they shone brightly, yet they were dimmed by this mysterious light. Apapant was the first to ring and inquire what on earth it could be. Then many others started to call. This strange, unearthly light was seen by hundreds of people. One of the other masters then told us that such manifestations of light are said in the tantras to be a sign of someone attaining Buddhahood. From the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Page 275. 
It is strange to think that the death of a Buddhist master could be connected to a milky, luminous fog. It feels like mythic hyperbole to consider Jesus' death accompanied by an earthquake and the splitting of rocks. Wendell Berry asks a question. Why do the health of the body and the health of the earth decline together? He asks, why does modern society exist under constant threat of the same suffering, deprivation, spite, contempt, and obliteration that it has imposed on other people and other creatures? Forty years ago, another Buddhist teacher pointed out that despite our resistance to superstitious views linking harmony in nature with harmony in human affairs, we are beginning to acknowledge the connections between the social or societal problems and the natural or environmental problems that we are facing. We destroy our environment as we destroy one another. Barry again. The willingness to abuse other bodies is the willingness to abuse one's own. To damage the earth is to damage your children. To despise the ground is to despise its fruit. To despise the fruit is to despise its eaters. The wholeness of health is broken by despite. Teachers like Jamyang Kinse and Jesus recognize this deep interbeing nature of reality. Jesus notes that there is no distance between caring for him and caring for the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, imprisoned, or stranger. Matthew 25. Jesus points out that if his followers stop singing out their praise songs, the stones themselves will start to sing. Luke chapter 19, verse 40. The soil, the fruit, the children, the teachers, the sick, the imprisoned, the stones themselves... Why do the health of the body and the health of the earth decline together? There are rare beings who embrace the deep ecology of our mutual belonging, who live in near constant awareness of our interbeing natures, and who, through their lives and teachings, work to give the rest of us some little glimpses of this heaven on earth. Upon the death of such a rare teacher, the sky itself just might respond with a mysterious incandescence that dims electric lights, causing people to phone each other in wonder. With the dying of such a precious teacher, rocks may begin to rent themselves in two. The earth may suddenly shake and quake in homage. Why do such reactions make sense? because there is no distance, no distance between these teachers and the sky and the rocks and the earth and the rest of us.
We can go much further back in the Bible before Matthew to Genesis. And there we have a creation story that man, humanity, is made of the earth. Adam, Adama. We are part of the earth itself. We are made of the elements of the earth. And despite a lot of theologies that want to draw a wedge between body and spirit, we can look deeply and bring body and spirit together and recognize that we are earth beings. The implications of that are just wild. That means that right now, as you're listening to this, you are listening to the earth speak. And I'm not trying to place myself on some pedestal because every time you listen to a human being, every time you listen to the wind in the pine trees, every time you hear a dog bark, or a bird sing, you're listening to the earth. And each of us, if we have two good eyes, those eyeballs, those squishy eyeballs in our skull are part of the earth. As we look and perceive, it is the earth looking upon itself. There is no distance. Wendell Berry asks us, why, why does the health of the earth decline with the health of humanity? Howard Thurman was asking this question back in the 1960s. Howard Thurman was a Christian mystic of the 20th century. And he, along with many others, has posited that the mental health crises that we see are not separate. from the horrific disdain that we have shown for our planet. And not only disdain, but for this 
illusory view that we are not a part of it. I remember years ago reading in this book, it came out in 1992, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And it was written as a kind of a, a new view of the Tibetan Book of the Dead for a modern audience. And I remember reading about this milky white fog at the death of this elder, this Tibetan Buddhist teacher. That is so far beyond the way most of us as reasonable, rational people think. But sometimes we utilize our reasonable, rational thinking to chop up, to atomize, to divide, and to ignore the interconnections. I'm not speaking here of ignoring science. I want us to be doing scientific research. I want us to be thinking about that. But let's not give up a view of the whole. Let's not give up the basic knowledge that you are the earth. You are part of this earth. You are a piece of this earth. Sometimes you feel compassion for another person. You might hear of something that happened to someone. Could be a friend, but it could even be a stranger. And you'll get a lump in your throat, tears in your eyes. You feel compassion. The earth itself can feel compassion. As far as we know, that's what we know that does feel compassion is the earth itself. There may be compassionate beings far out in space. And of course, we're still all interconnected there too if we go further back. There is great beauty in this message of Matthew. I remember thinking about this as a boy. I remember thinking of Jesus breathing out his last breath, his head falling, and imagining in that moment, 
the veil in the temple, ripping of its own accord. But not just that. The rocks renting themselves, breaking themselves into the earth quaking. And there are stories throughout lore and mythology and legends throughout history of the quaking of the earth and its association with the lives of great beings and great events in history. Whatever else Jesus was or Jesus wasn't, Jesus was a part of this earth. A fellow mammal. Made of minerals. And water. made of the dust itself. We are the earth. When I was a little boy, I saw, saw the uh, little Dr. Seuss animated cartoon about the Lorax or read the book of the Lorax who says, I speak for the trees. What an invitation. Jesus speaks elsewhere, elsewhere in Matthew about no distance between himself and the one in prison. The one who's hungry, the stranger. What an invitation that comes from almost every worthy spiritual and religious tradition of this planet. They all point again and again and again to our non-separateness. To what Thich Nhat Hanh calls our interbeing nature, our interconnectedness. We talk a lot about mental health these days in America and the world and how we want to get resources to people. That's all well and that's all good and it's very important, but we need to reconnect to this earth. We need to remember because we are members of this earth. And we need to stop putting a chasm, a divide between body and spirit. 
and bring it together as one. It may be beyond the beyond for you to think of the sky turning into a milky white fog when a Tibetan Buddhist teacher dies, or to think of the earth quaking when this teacher from Galilee dies on the cross. I invite you to begin by going at least this far. To begin with what almost every scientist would agree with, to go at least this far. That when you wake up tomorrow morning and you walk into the bathroom and you go to wash your face or shave or brush your teeth, comb your hair, that you look in the mirror and that you realize that you are looking upon a part of this planet. You are looking upon the earth. And I invite you to start To reconnect with the other parts of ourselves. Maybe you'll just be briefly outside walking from the house to the car. Invite yourself to know What I believe Jesus knew, and what I believe Jamian Kinsey knew, that between you and the rest of the earth, there is no distance. Time alone in nature can be a beautiful practice as we contemplate the death of Jesus or one of our other teachers, as we reflect on the death or dying of a loved one, as we contemplate our own mortality. The water flowing in the creek, the pebbles, the grains of sand, the wind wandering over the grass, a single bird's song, a solitary insect, the roughness of the tree's bark, what feelings, thoughts, moods, words, silences are emanating from them to you. Do not grapple for too many explanatory words, just experience.
I'm Michael Armalley. And you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.